So we started a series a few weeks ago titled Created to Lead. You see, each of us was created in God's image, and from the beginning we were created with the ability and the purpose of leading. In Genesis 1 and verse 27, we read this. God created humans and beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry on the ground. You see, you and I were created to govern, to reign over this world. Human beings were given the ability to lead. And not only we were told and commanded to reign over the earth, but we were also created in the image of God. Now, we were created in his image, his likeness, it says, in other places. And he is the greatest leader of all time. You and I were created like that. Now, we've talked a couple different areas in this series about God's leadership. We did an overview and we talked last week about the fact that we first need to lead our own lives, obviously under the leadership of the Lord, but first stepping up and taking leadership for ourselves. And today we want to specifically look at the fact that we are also told to lead our children. Now I realize today some may not have children, some may not be parents at this time. Maybe you're here and you're a teenager or a younger person. This message will still apply. Each of us has definitely had parents. And for some, of course, you are parents right now. We must lead our children and lead them well because Scripture tells us this is our role. This is our commitment. This is what we've been asked to do. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, you and I, as parents, are required to train up our children. I'm not talking about choo-choo. I'm training. It's okay. That's a pastor joke. You're allowed to laugh. It's okay. (laughs) Training children as in any type of training. When I think of training, I like to think of sports training. Training yourself to do something well takes time, takes persistence, and takes repetition. This thing of parenting doesn't happen once. You don't just tell your kids how it is or how it should be one time and it's over. Just like in training in sports, you don't just go to the gym one time and expect it to all go well after that. It's repetition, it's persistence, and it's with a purpose. You see, training and raising children is no different. And grandparents, you still get to play a role even in your grandkids. The role is different than parenting, but it's still amazing and it's still powerful. You see, when we say yes to God about having kids and raising kids, we've said yes to being trainers. And a trainer that is good, a trainer that knows what they're doing, can encourage and help those they train to want to do well. You see, the difference between a trainer and a dictator is really big. 
I don't know, maybe some of you have had a trainer who was a dictator, but I guess you had because it wouldn't last. You see, training requires leading somebody forward. Matthew 7 and verse 12 says, In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. You see, when we train our children, there's a few things that I'm just going to bring out quickly today. There's some basic things we want to train them, and one of the first things is how they should treat others. They should treat others well. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These are basic things that we want to teach our children well. As believers, as Christians, we want to raise up the next generation to care about others who are different than them. You see, some places in the world, this is not taught. In some places in the world, it's still taught that if they're different than you or they believe different, you should hate them. That's not our role. And we are not to let anger or hate come in no matter what. But we should train them up to reach out to care and to love others and to overcome evil with good. You see, you don't overcome evil with some bigger evil. You don't overcome anger by being more angry. You overcome evil according to what the Bible says with good. The second thing I see that we should be training our children is in the area of finance. We should lead them well. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. When we take time with our kids, are we helping them to be unselfish? I think it is human nature for little people to be selfish. The world is all about them. But our job is to help them to be unselfish, to become generous. And God says when we teach and become generous, we're ourselves blessed back. It's a key point when raising children. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. This is Solomon talking to his son. This is a parent giving it pretty straight to what seems to be a little bit older son. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. This is a parent to a son. And can I say, parents, you and I have a role for a few short years to teach our kids the importance of work, hard work. Work is good for you. Work should be enjoyed. You see, work wasn't the curse. When Adam and Eve were first created, they were told to work the garden. Work was right from the beginning healthy. The curse was overworking with nothing to show for it. Okay? But work is good. And work is healthy. And then the other important thing 
Getting out of bed early is good for you. Don't worry, I wasn't looking at any of you that came late. Not at all. <laughs> and you're probably thinking, well, then how come you start at 11? But anyways, getting out of bed early is healthy for us. And when helping kids, especially teenagers, I think, have the, tr- the toughest time with this getting out of bed early stuff. But here's the key to it. It's not just going in the room early in the morning, get out of bed, what's wrong with you? You got to get out of bed. It happens the night before. The key to being able to get out of bed early is going to bed at a decent time. They're like, this is not rocket science, is it? It's not a matter of being tougher or more severe in the morning. It's a matter of coming up with some great guidelines. And if it's a teenager, kind of coming up with something together. What do you think if we're going to get up early? What's a good time to shut down the tech? What's a good time to turn out the lights? Because you'll never master the getting out of bed earlier if you can't have self-control the night before. And man, we live in a world where that's tougher, isn't it? It's the end of the day. I could speak to parents today probably too. You know, it's the end of a long day and there is at our fingertips anything we want to research or know about, any type of entertainment. Not all entertainment is bad, but you get the point. You yourself could end up, what is it, uh, Netflix series going from one show to the next. Binge watching, yeah. Just I'm just relaxing, vegging out, and before you know it, it's one in the morning. I gotta get up early. Hey, if it's tough for parents, how tough must it be for teenagers? So parents, we have the role of helping them get it right. However, I found something out with the bit of parenting my wife and I have got to do. We have kids stretched quite a ways. We have our oldest is 23, and our youngest is 3. And then we have three amazing kids in between there. So we stretched it out. Uh, I'm not sure if we planned it, but we didn't want to have two in Pampers at the same time. So, no, we, we didn't plan that at all. But it seems like we never had two in Pampers at the same time. Thank you, Jesus. Anyhow, <laughs> different things. We, I've learned the hard way, done some things that didn't work, and found out some things that do work. But when we train our children, when we help them move forward, they actually appreciate it. They appreciate it a lot. They appreciate your input. But what I found is, Words are not quite as powerful as actions. And they will hear our actions louder than our words. What do I mean by that? Uh, You need to get out of bed early. Well, if we're not getting out of bed early, why would they? Hey, you shouldn't be on your tech all night. And they come by and you're on your tech. And boy, teenagers will let you know. (laughs) So actions are important. And yes, as parents, we get to, okay, you're right. You're watching, and, and there may be times where you need to explain why or why you're on your tech, what's going on, but hey, teenagers especially are watching, and they want you to show them how more than tell them how. Commanding a teenager how is a bad idea. Showing them how and spending time with them is a good idea. You see, your teenagers want to spend time with you. I know right now you're like, they do? 
They do. Not maybe when their friends are all watching, but they do want to spend time with you. They want to know that you care about them. They want to know that you think they're important. And parents, I'm going to say this now. Children feel important when you take time with them, especially one-on-one time. They like and enjoy when you buy them stuff, but they would way rather have your time. You can't buy more things to make up for no time. It won't work for kids. I mean, they'll smile and they'll be like, sure, buy me some more stuff. I like stuff. But they really need you. For us to train our children, we will have to commit time to it. Don't fall into the temptation of just one more job for a while. If it means you have no time for your kids, you won't get that time back ever. Well, after I make enough money to, you know, put it in the retirement and, you know, I'm, I got this plan, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to do this, I'll, I'll get time for them. And before you know it, they're in high school and they don't even know who you are. And you don't really know who they are. The way you get to know somebody and the way you're able to lead your children well is to take time with them. Communication is the key. And if you aren't communicating, you're definitely not training them. You're not leading them. The only way to lead is to have communication. The only leaders who don't use communication to lead are dictators. And who likes to stay under a dictator in this world? Nobody. If you lead your children by being a dictator, and again, I'm kind of leaning more towards teenagers because I have a couple in here today and the others are in kids' ministry. If you do that guaranteed at the age of 18 or even sooner these days, they will run. They will say, I don't want anything to do with this kind of stuff, this leader. But really, it's a leadership issue, not the stuff you're bringing them. So let's lead well, not as dictators, but let's use our Heavenly Father as an example. Let's lead the way He leads. Let's lead the way Jesus led. Jesus was an amazing leader, and he was not a dictator. He was a leader who loved. He was a leader who gave himself. He was a leader who took time for his followers. A lot of time, by the way. It's amazing how much time Jesus spent. Time. You will need to. Leading our children to understand finances and the work ethic is super important. As well as parents, we must lead our children to have healthy relationships. In Scripture, once again, it's parents who take this role. I understand that for some, schools have tried to take part of the role because, you know, we're working jobs, we're not into it. But parents, it is ultimately your role. The relationships and how to have good relationships. Proverbs 5 and verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Okay, there is some fatherly wisdom to an obviously little bit older son. And he is trying to tell him clearly, don't 
allow yourself to be drawn away with unhealthy relationships. Parents, that's our role, to teach our kids before they're in a mess, not after. Have those talks with your kids at the appropriate age and make it clear. Let them know, let them understand. It is up to you. Sometimes as parents, we do crisis management or leaders, but why not instead lead them to healthy relationships? Show them how, tell them how, and start as soon as you feel they are ready to understand. Elementary school, and there's kids walking around holding hands, boyfriend, girlfriend, we're kissing each other. What? I don't know. I know one parent here, they told their daughter, when you're 18, you can date, not before. <laughs> Got a cell phone at 10 years old and a boyfriend. What? Parenting. We can't just give them a phone and think we're parenting. Well, at least that way I can call you and find out where you are. That's bad parenting. I didn't get any amens on that, but that's bad parenting. <laughs> Listen, they need you. They need you to show them how. They don't know how. They're just going to go by feeling or what they see others doing if somebody doesn't show them. It's up to you and I. This next verse is for a mature crowd. I see a couple younger ones, so I'm probably going to read it a little differently than you're going to read it on the screen. Proverbs 5.15, drink water from your own well, share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the street, having relationships with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourself. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Parents, you and I are responsible for teaching our children this principle. There shouldn't be physical relationship before marriage. It should be reserved and kept for the person you marry. But if nobody tells them, how do they know? Because there's a world telling them something different. It is up to you and I. And as well, parents, it is up to you and I to teach our children about the identity of relationship. I'm going to say this well, but you're going to know what I'm talking about. You as a parent can help your child be completely strong and sure in their identity. It's up to you. They don't know where they're at. They don't know what they're doing, where they're going. You have that ability. It's not, well, I'm just not going to say anything. Just let them figure it out. There's a world telling them something else. There's a world telling them all kinds of craziness. Don't you be silent. You have a role, and you must step up. Are you telling your daughters, you are so beautiful, you're a beautiful young lady. Every time you speak that, you're speaking to their identity. Are you telling your sons, wow, you're a handsome, strong young man. Every time you speak to their identity and lift them up, you are making them sure and secure in who they are. People who are unsure of their identity, they can always go back to a point where they felt crushed in who they were. Sometimes by parents, sometimes by other things. Or they get deceived by good friends and nobody else is speaking into it. Parents, speak. And even if you don't believe it, your teenagers do want to hear. 
I have two teenage girls here this morning, and I'm not going to ask them to say anything because, you know. But I know they care. They want to hear from Dad. Sometimes they'll come sit where I'm sitting and ask questions and tell me stuff that's going on, and I love it. I have most definitely not parented well in every situation, and every one of your kids is different. You'll see that as they grow, but you do your best. And I remember one of the greatest things we learned, my wife and I, my wife is a children's pastor, and she's got to sit in on service today, so that means all of the team showed up. Woohoo! Give the team a hand. And we learned something, actually, we found amazing parental resources from Focus on the Family. And if you've never searched up Focus on the Family, they still have amazing parental resources. Check them out. They're really, there's a lot of good stuff about how to deal with tech, like all these kinds of things. But uh, early on, we had read and heard this about having a date night with your children by themselves, each one. And I thought, that's a pretty good idea. And so I ended up doing that with our oldest daughter. And I think we did it every second week or something like that. And it became something that she really enjoyed and through her teenage years. And even now, she's married, she will call me up just to have a good visit because of somebody giving us wisdom to do that. Otherwise, guaranteed, we probably would never talk because I'm one of those guys that likes to sit and think. But I made myself, hey, do a date night where we talk. So I want to encourage you, get wisdom in how to parent. You can always learn more. You might be like a nine and a half on the scale of parenting. You could be a 10. God wants your kids to be blessed. Did you know that God believed in you? That's why you have those children. He believes that you can raise them for him. And maybe you're here and you've parented, you've already gone through it, and you feel like you made some mistakes. You know what? If they are still around, you can still give them a call and you can still parent, even if they're parents themselves. You can still begin to work on things that maybe you feel like you missed. Don't beat yourself up. I've told you before, and I give you a message just for today forward. It's not to put anybody down from the past. We've all made mistakes. All we can do is our best from today forward. So reach out. Give it your best. If you've got a, an older child who doesn't like you or is angry at you and won't talk, pray about it. Give them a call. See if you can work through it. Because, man, no matter how old kids are, they still need their parents sometimes. i got to watch the time because i got to quit early for a baptism service, which I'm excited about. So I got about nine more minutes, so stick with me, and then we're going to switch over to baptism. We need to lead our children also to succeed and thrive. Nobody leads their kids hoping they'll fail, right? We, we want them to do well in life with their job or their career. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Listen, parents... We teach our kids things because we want them to have peace. We want them to prosper. Can I say to any teenagers here this morning, your parents want you to succeed and prosper. Even if they don't do it 100% right, they're wanting you to prosper and succeed. So, listen to your parents. It is important. 
Proverbs 3.13, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Talking about wisdom. Wisdom is more important to get than money. Teach your children well. School is important, even if it's not fun sometimes. Teach your children to learn, to grow, and to search for wisdom. Don't let them just go off and work on the rigs before they finish school. Because there's big money. I hope I didn't pick on anybody there. If you did that, and you made lots of money, you can always go back to school and start a new career. I know some have. Wisdom is so important. And you can gain wisdom the hard way or the easy way. For real. Gaining wisdom is something we must teach our children to do and it's important. All right, we must, of course, lead our children to follow the Lord. All these other things I mentioned are really important, but we've got to lead them to follow the Lord as well. If you were here on the weekend of our Adventure Kids kickoff, our district family ministries person gave some statistics, and they actually showed that many Christian parents think that they should just leave it up to their kids to kind of decide what they want to do. That's a little odd because we tell our kids to go to school. We tell our kids how they should do things and we tell them what they should eat and everything else, but we're not going to help them in their beliefs. That would be very strange. Okay, it's a false idea. Children are raised up by parents and faith is the most important thing in a person's life. But let me give you scripture so you don't think it's just me. Joshua 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Parents, you choose if your family is going to serve the Lord. The kids don't choose. The kids don't choose if you should or shouldn't go to church. The upset teenager shouldn't be choosing whether or not you stay home. The upset three-year-old shouldn't be choosing if you do or don't go to church. That's up to you. You're the head of the family. You're the parent. Deuteronomy 6. Actually, I'm going to skip that one because I'm running out of time. Psalm 78 and verse 5. Since he issued his laws to Jacob, he gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. The Lord said, you've got to teach this to your children, okay? Verse 6, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. All right. What does that say in really short sentence? The next generation will not serve God if you don't teach them. That's what it says. Parents, if you don't teach your kids, they won't serve God. How would they if they don't know? Well, supernaturally something will happen. That's nice, but he laid it out in his word. This is how I want it to be done. You teach your children so that they can teach their children. 
In other words, we're not just trying them to get to do the right things. We're trying to teach them and bring them into God's kingdom so that they love it, want it, and are willing to teach their children. Woo, that is good. You see, my role for my daughter who's sitting here is not just to make her do all the right things until she leaves home. I want her to love the Lord. I want her to love His Word enough that when she has kids, she'll teach them. That's a whole different way of leading. You see, because you can get the right action by being stern and grouchy, but are they going to love it? Are they going to love it? We must lead them to follow the Lord. I want to finish with this. When we talk about following the Lord, obviously, as parents, if we're going to help our kids follow the Lord, we must be fully following the Lord. I already mentioned they're going to see your actions more than anything. You can't say, you need to follow the Lord, but I don't want to. You know, I've heard of parents who would drop their kids off for Sunday school, but they didn't go to church. The kids eventually are going to say, well, when you become an adult, it doesn't matter. So parents, you need to fully follow the Lord first. Young people, parents, each of you that's here today, maybe you have not had the opportunity to follow Jesus yourself or ask him to forgive you and come into your life. See, I want to talk about this for a minute because, well, that's what we do at church. That's what we do as believers. We feel God has given us something amazing. He saved our lives is a term we'll use. But you see, Jesus came and died on a cross. He was beaten and broken, and he said he did it for you and I. That our sins could be completely forgiven, and we could be in right standing with the Heavenly Father again. Jesus made the way. And he said, I'm paying for it. All you need to do is receive it. And then he made that extremely easy. There's a scripture that says, if you just say it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, that Jesus was raised from the dead for you and I, that he died on the cross, raised from the dead for you and I, that's all you need to do. And salvation comes. Forgiveness and peace comes. Do you know that people struggle because of their past mistakes? They're in pain because of things that have they've done or have been done and Jesus wants to come into the heart and make that new and it just begins by using our mouth to say yeah do you know getting saved doesn't mean you understand it all it doesn't mean you got it all figured out and it most definitely does not mean you're perfect it simply means yes Lord I need you I want your forgiveness so we're going to take opportunity to do that right now before baptism I like to pray a prayer here at our church, and I ask you guys to repeat it. So if you'll bow with me and just repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. I am saved. Amen.